Um, so this morning, uh, I want to ask the question, why, why are we here? Why are we here as a church? Why are we here as, as people? Uh, this is a really natural question as we start at uh, Ashley Road, a uh, new congregation meeting there, so exciting. But also there's a new start here for us as well, not just a new start time. But as we've been sending people, uh, we send about 30 people to Ashley Road, there's, there's new opportunity for us as well. As, uh, as a church, there, there are some gaps and an opportunity for us to be involved and maybe us to be involved in ways that we haven't expected or anticipated before. The important thing in, in my mind is that there is, there is gospel advance, that we're telling people about the good news of Jesus and seeing lives transformed. And there's a, a real picture of this in, in the baptism that we've had this morning. This is a, a visible demonstration that Jesus is Lord, a visible step of obedience, a demonstration that we've died to an old way of life and being raised to a new way of life new creation, new hope, new life. And that's what we're about as a church. So it's important to have these moments like today where we can stop, where we can think, where we can reflect on on what is important, what is our call, what is our purpose. What kind of things, I wonder, would you love to see happening amongst us? I would love to see people being saved every single week, people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. I love to see people being baptised regularly, people of all ages and stages, people being released in their gifts, people willing to serve, people together in community as we were yesterday, people growing in generosity. I love for us to continue to, to step into being a vibrant community, enjoying God and sharing this with those around. So it's really helpful for us today to keep in mind, what is our call? What are we living for? Because I want you to imagine for a moment that um, I showed you that I bought a new iPad. I haven't bought a new iPad, but I want you to imagine that I had. Um, I've been, I could, I'll come and say to you, I may say to Dale, Dale, I've bought a new iPad. Uh, and he'll be really pleased for me, I'm sure. Um, and I'll come and say, it, it works brilliantly. What I can do is I can balance um, two cups of tea and two biscuits. It's brilliant. Um, I can then carry it into the room and then put it down by my chair. And uh, it, it works fantastically. And then there's a really handy space in my kitchen where I can put my new iPad for when I need it again to carry my drinks into the lounge. Um, now, I guess there, there are two ways to respond to this, and you may be in, in one of two camps. Um, one, which is probably the more English response, would be for you to kind of smile nicely and think that I'm some kind of idiot, but you wouldn't actually say that out loud because that would be rude. Um, or you might be the kind of person that say, you're, you're a fool, you're, you're getting this all wrong. Um, an, an iPad is not for carrying drinks. There's so much more that you can do with it. Just out of interest, who, who would be um, the more polite end of just quietly say nothing? Oh, you're, you're probably all too polite to put, raise your hand. Um, who would be the... the the more um, assertive and say, you've got it all wrong. You've got to do, use it like this. Okay, a few more of those. Um, in the same way, we're not to settle for less as a church. Just as um, you can use an iPad for carrying drinks, but there's so much more potential contained within. 
As a church, we're not to settle for less. We're to see the potential that God has placed inside of us. This morning, I want us to think about what we're designed for. And uh, we have three words that help us to think about our call as a church. Adventure, purity, and compassion. Um, We're going to watch a a short video. Our new website will be launched this week, but I thought you might like a sneak preview. Do you like a sneak preview? As long as you promise not to tell anyone else. Um, This is is Matt, um, who leads the church, talking about these, these three words, adventure, purity, and compassion, and our call. Normally people think that religion is something that we human beings do. But the thing about Christianity is it's actually about what Jesus has done for us. But in response, we do want to live in a certain way. This is what the Bible calls being his disciples or his followers. And at Gateway, we sum this up with three words, adventure, purity, and compassion. Disciples of Jesus are called to a life of adventure. After Jesus had died and then risen again to eternal life, he gathered his disciples around him and told his followers to go to the four corners of the earth and to make more disciples. And to do so takes courage and boldness to go out into the world and to proclaim Christ. Christianity isn't a passive religion, it's an active faith. And so we're called into an adventure of faith as we follow Jesus. The fundamental human problem is our distance from God, the distance caused by the mess in our lives, mess that Jesus has dealt with by his death on the cross, taking away what the Bible calls sin. As those who've been set free from it, we don't want to go back to it any more than we'd want to start drinking sewage. As disciples of Jesus, we want to live lives of purity which honour and reflect him now. We believe Jesus has been very good to us and in response we want to be good to others. We believe that one day Jesus will return to earth and make all things very good. Our role as his followers now is to make something of that goodness known right here, right now. To sum this up, we're called into an adventure of faith, experiencing God's purity and sharing his compassion. There we go. You can um, see more of that as the website goes live this week. So we are called to adventure purity and compassion. These isn't exclusively for us as a church. I think this can sum up. Um, what, if you're a Christian, then you should be living this way. Um, it's one of the, the challenges of, of call, uh, calling us to, to vision is what is unique about us, church, us as a church. And there are many things that are unique. But the, the brilliant thing is, is that we are called to worship God, to make him known to others, to see lives transformed. And that's true for every single church across the face of this globe. And it's so exciting for us to be caught up on this. It's not just about us here in this room. It's also about um, others across Paul and Bournemouth and across the world. We're caught up to be, something, be part of something much bigger. And to help us this morning, we're going to be looking at the letter of, of 1 Peter. So if you do have a, a Bible, um, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. In the, the church Bibles, in the seat pockets in front of you, um, it's page 720. We're going to be looking at a letter of, of 1 Peter, a few verses from 1 Peter chapter uh, 2. This is written to Christians who were under persecution. And so... For Peter, he was conscious that their identity had to be in Christ and not in their circumstances. 
You may have seen the excellent response of the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, this week uh, when he was faced with the fact that his father was not who he thought it was. And his response um, has been, I know that I find who I am in Jesus Christ, not in genetics, and my identity in him never changes. That's a wonderful truth. And so for us and for the people that Peter was writing to, our identity is not in genetics, it's not in anything else, it's in who we are in Christ Jesus. So let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, um, and we're going to read from verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to think about who we are in you, about who you've made us to be. We thank you that we can be here and celebrate new life in baptism here. And we thank you for new start at Ashley Road. They'll be kicking off uh, right now, 10.45. And we, we do pray for them, that you would uh, be blessing them, that they would have a great first morning. And we thank you for this big call this big vision that you've called us into. And I pray that our hearts would respond with faith this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> Just for clarity, that was a cough, not a sneeze, in case anyone wants it. Um, I've been struggling with a, a cold, I think, since... 2015, I think. Anyone, anyone else feel, feel like that? These last few months, you've uh, in a constant state of having a cold. So um, occasionally my nose blocks, um, and then I find that I can't talk, which is difficult when you're preaching. Um, but I'm sure we all struggle through together. Um, Dale, you're ready to pick up if, uh, if needs be. Great, thanks. Um, so... These words in, in 1 Peter were originally spoken over God's people, Israel. We read very similar words in, in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus. God's people have just been taken dramatically, dramatically out of slavery in Egypt. And this is what God says to them, Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6. Uh, I'll read it, you don't need to turn there. Now therefore, if you in, will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We see there similar, similar words, kingdom of priests, a holy nation. You are chosen. Very similar in Exodus in the Old Testament and now here in 1 Peter chapter 2. But notice in Exodus 19, it's dependent on Israel keeping the covenant. It says, obey my voice, keep my covenant we see that the story throughout the Old Testament and, in fact, throughout our lives is that we can't live up to even our own standards, let alone God's standards. We're just not able to do it. We keep falling short. 
But the truth is that Jesus has done it. Where it starts is not with what we do or with our plan. As we're thinking about purpose and call, we can think of what are the things that I would love to do. Rather, it starts with him. Because the reason that there can be a a we, a people together, is because of what he has done. Christianity is so often mistaken for a religion of of doing, of lists of rules and regulations, a series of, of oughts and shoulds, feeling that we have to do this. But actually, it's a celebration of what has been done. Jesus has lived the perfect life. He's given his life for us to take the punishment for what we have done wrong. He's risen to life so that all who put their trust in him can know eternal life with him both now and forever. What we do is celebrate what he has done. It's one of the great things as we gather in, in worship together, that we can sing together, that we can celebrate. Often in other areas of life, whether at the football match or at birthdays, we sing in celebration. And that's why one of the things is great for us to gather together and sing and enjoy him. And so we want to be a church that is celebrating what has been done in Christ, a response to his revelation. We want to be a church that makes this clear and not get it the, the wrong way around. Because as soon as we fall into the trap of thinking that Christianity is primarily about what we do, all is lost. And so we need to let this, this freedom of celebrating that it has been done permeate all we do. Our worship, our speaking, our communion, our work, everything. So let's look at the the first word in in verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen race. And this here is a a call to adventure. We are a chosen race, not down to genealogy or being from a particular country. This is no longer about a people from a, a geographic place of Israel. But a chosen race is those who have responded to God's call. Because of Jesus, we are chosen, we are treasured. If you see in in Mark chapter 3, Jesus is choosing the 12 disciples. He chose them, it says in Mark chapter 3, he chose those he he desired, those he wanted. And they are caught up in an adventure. So God wants us, he wants us to be included in this. It's not a, uh, we're the last ones left at the end of the line, you know, when you're choosing teams uh, on the school playground. It's not the, I'm going to have to have them. It's those that he chose those he wanted, those he desired. So for, for us here, we need to know God's smile, God's favor, as we spoke about earlier in baptism. God wants us, and he calls us into adventure. There's an immediate change in, in one of those men, in Peter's own mission, who wrote this letter. His mission was before to get enough fish, food to feed his family. But after the call of Jesus, he's caught up in in God's mission of communicating the good news that there is a God who saves. There's a God who frees, a God who is alive and brings life to all those who trust him. God took a bunch of fishermen, tax collectors, and used them to turn the world upside down with the good news of Jesus. And we see time and time again throughout the pages of Scripture, it's not about, uh, it's about who God is not about who we are that is important. It's about who God is and not about who we are that is important. Knowing that there's nothing that is impossible for God. And he calls us into the adventure of his mission, seeing broken lives made new. And so we need to look to the bigness of God, 
We need to look to his power, his might, and respond in faith and go where he leads. I remember being, before being employed by the church, uh, making that decision of following God wherever he led. My passion, my desire was to go and to build church, whatever that looked like, whether it was being employed by a church or not getting a, a job working elsewhere. Then I was sold out. I want to be um, where there's a church where I can get stuck into. Hold on a second. Remember to turn the mic off that time. Um, I wanted to be wherever God wanted me, and it was going to be um, poured into building church in whatever capacity. This is what I wanted to, to give my life to. This is linked to another decision I made age 20. I was praying for a wife, as you do around that age. You think, actually, a wife would be a really good thing. And so um, I was praying for that, and God said to me clearly in, from Matthew chapter 6, he says, Seek first the, thing, the, the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. It was clear. Get your priorities right. Make sure that your heart is for God first and foremost, and then everything else will be added unto you. In this instant, it was, it was great. I, I, I set my heart on God first and foremost, and he did. He provided a wonderful wife. She's helping Crash, so she can't hear, um, hear me say that, but I'll play her the recording later on so that she knows. <laughs> so it's important for us to get things in the right order. And there, there are sometimes when we get what we hope for, praying for, for a wife. But there's sometimes we don't. Maybe praying for, for health or for a family situation, we don't always get exactly what we hoped for, what we prayed for. But in all things, our heart must be after God, following up after him wholeheartedly. Whether things work out as we'd hoped or whether they don't, we can trust God that he is eternally supreme, eternally in charge, and we have an eternal hope to look forward to. So God the Almighty knows you. He knows you here today, and he wants you to be involved in this mission God knows Rachel making this public commitment today and he delights in us responding to him in obedience. After his death and resurrection, Jesus told his followers that they were to go to the four corners of the earth and make more disciples. This is what's known as the Great Commission. And to do it takes faith and courage, which is an adventure. Christianity is not a passive religion, but it's an active faith that makes a positive difference to the world. And it, it is adventurous. And that needs to be in our heart, in our DNA. Whatever age, whatever situation we're in, we can be involved in this in varying ways. It will look different for each one of us, but we need to be caught up in this heart of adventure and to go in his power. So there's a call to adventure. Secondly, there is a call to purity. Verse 9 also speaks of being a holy nation. And we can see that holiness and purity aren't popular terms in society today. God tells us clearly in the Bible the fundamental human problem is our distance from God. We often don't like thinking about the things that we do wrong or are not up to scratch in. This distance is created by all the, all the junk in our lives, what the Bible calls sin, putting ourselves first. Matt uh, said in, in the video, one of our, our challenges is um, that sin sounds good and appealing, um, but holy is often seen as, as bad or, or boring. 
beauty products and food labels can be uh, labeled as pure or sin, but both are seen good or attractive. Our challenge in today's society is that um, this word sin has been trivialized. Sin is more like having a, a chocolate cake or eating, eating the kids' Easter eggs, which, of course, we never do. Um, it's, it's something that is maybe a little bit bad, but not really. It's a bit indulgent. But we're to see that sin is serious. It is like sewage. And holiness isn't hypocrisy. It's not self-righteousness, boredom, or cold and quiet buildings. Rather, holiness is purity. It's happiness. God is completely holy. He's utterly holy. He is also completely happy. Jesus' death on the cross was the way in which all this muck and filth was dealt with. And so Christians are not meant to go back to drinking sewage. And for, for those here who may be exploring and wondering, how can I know God? How can I deal with some of these problems in my life? We can bring it to Jesus. that would be a resp- uh, an opportunity for you to respond later on. So as we start this new season here together, let's live in happy holiness. But also there's another sense of the word holy. Not only pure, but also set apart. A people called different for a reason. Verse 11 um, says that we're exiles, saying this isn't our permanent home. As Christians, we're to know that we are, are different. We are different. Sometimes this is obvious to us. I remember uh, a number of years ago, I was walking by myself um, around midnight through a bus station in New York. Um, and it was like an underground bus station. And if you've ever had an experience like this, um, it was very dark, and there are lots of groups all hanging around. And in my mind, there were definitely gangs, and there were definitely guns around. And so you kind of have to walk this fine line as you walk through the bus station. Um, You kind of have to pervade the image of kind of looking fairly hard, um, and like, you don't want to mess with me. But also, you don't want to flip to the other side of kind of looking a bit aggressive or threatening as if you're trying to uh, intimidate them. And so you have to kind of walk this, this balance between the two. James does it excellently right there. That's it. <laughs> there, I was definitely not comfortable. I wanted to get that through that place as quickly as possible while looking as though you're relaxed and unhurried at the same time. For us here living in this world, we're to know that this isn't our permanent home, that we are looking forward to a day when we are with God, we'll meet him face to face, we can enjoy him, there are no more um, pain or suffering or tears, a place where we can know him face to face and enjoy him. We're to know that uh, as we live now, there will be pain, there will be hardship, there will be difficulties. We see the influence of the world, the flesh and the devil. We're to know that we are different. We've been called, as it says, from darkness to light. Things have completely changed for us. We are no longer the same, and we're to live like that. If we make a response to Jesus and we carry on exactly the same, then then something hasn't quite connected. Because when we uh, come to life in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have a new identity. We are new creations, and so there needs to be something different about us. So we need to decide what are we going to um, found our life on. What is the, the cornerstone it speaks of in um, a few verses earlier, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, speaks of the cornerstone. And so for us, we need to decide what is our life founded on? What is the, the centerpiece? What if um, that thing was taken away? Would we, would we be bereft? 
It has to be Jesus. But it says in Acts 4 verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's salvation in no one else. It has to be in Jesus. And so we're called to purity, to live differently. And then thirdly, we're called to compassion. Here we see this um, in the words, uh, a royal priesthood, called to be a royal priesthood. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus is a priest. Again, we don't often use the word priest in um, everyday life, but this is not a term just for a few of, of one or two select people called to be a priest. It's, about, it's for all. We're called to represent God to man and man to God. And we see the ultimate example in Jesus, God made man. And it's only in him that we have any hope of relationship with him. He is the, the ultimate mediator. So we're to know that Jesus has been very good to us, that we have life and hope because of him. He's shown mercy to us. He's made us into the people of God. And in response, we are to do good to others, to be good news. Because we believe that, that one day Jesus will return to the earth and make everything very good. So our role now is to make something of that goodness known right here, right now, across Bournemouth and Paul. Um, in a moment, I'm going to ask Rich to, to come and, and talk about some of the things that we'd love to see in terms of uh, reaching out and blessing the community around us. Before he does so, I'd just love to read this. This is from the historian uh, Rodney Stark, and he's talking about the early church. He says this, <clears throat> To cities filled with the homeless and impoverished, Christianity offered charity as well as real hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachment. To cities filled with widows and orphans, Christianity has offered an expanded sense of family. To cities torn by ethnic strife, Christianity offered a new basis for social solidarity. I'm not saying the misery of the ancient world caused the advent of Christianity. People have been enduring for centuries without the aid of Christian theology or social structures. I'm arguing that once Christianity did appear, its superior capacity for meeting human problems soon became evident and played a major role in its ultimate triumph. <clears throat> for what Christianity brought was not simply an urban movement, but a new culture. We see that some wonderful things there that, that happened with the, the birth of Christianity. <clears throat> and I love us just a to, to moment to, to think if we replace Christianity with, with Gateway Church, what comes out? It says, to cities filled with homeless and impoverished, Gateway Church offered charity as well as real hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Gateway Church offered an immediate basis for attachment. To cities filled with widows and orphans, Gateway Church offered a new and expanded sense of family. To cities torn by ethnic strife, Gateway Church offered a new basis for social solidarity. This is some of the, the call of what we are being drawn into, that we can make a real difference in this world because we know the living God. Um, Rich, when you come and share with us, this one of Rich's real hearts, passions and gifts is to, to reach out to the community around us. Thanks, John. Uh, uh, my kind of guiding um, verse for um, helping to work through this uh, compassion and what it means to 
work it out in our lives. It's Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3, which I'm sure many of you have read many times, but just read it once more because I think it's so powerful. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. That's every one of us who reads that verse this morning. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, or you could read, who grieve in Paul, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. It's a really profound verse that, and um, I think what it's saying to us as you read it is that every one of us has a practical and a prophetic mandate to serve and work with the poor. It's not for somebody else. It's for each and every one of us, as John has already said. Now, um, one of the problems in the Western world is that we sometimes think that working with the poor means working just with the homeless or those who are very materially poor. And that's a, that's a really valid thing. I'm a director of a homeless charity. I'm really passionate about that issue. But that's not where it stops for us. Because um, I believe that what the Bible teaches is that the poor are those who are just not in right relationship with God or themselves or with other people or with the world. In fact, I would say that where that is true, the peace of God, or we'd say the shalom of God, is not present. And uh, any time the peace of God is not present, you'll find poverty, you'll find the poor. And so there's already so much that we do here at Gateway to serve the poor. So um, any, any one of any days of the week, you might come in here and see us working with the lonely or the aged or victims of domestic violence or uh, the very young or the very old. Um, uh, in a few weeks' time, Paul Bromley here and myself and a few others are going to start a jobs club helping people who are out of work, struggling to get back into work, to get back into work. And there is massive esteem issues, particularly for men who are out of work. Uh, and I would suggest that there are, there are different levels of poverty involved with that, both material and personal as well. But my dream is that for every one of us here in this room to be individually involved with a work of compassion, a work serving the poor, for this building to be open literally seven days a week, um, serving these sorts of people. And so if you're passionate about that, or if you feel God speaking to you about that today or at any time, then please come and speak to me or speak to one of the other elders, and we'd love to work that through with you and talk that through with you. Um, I just want to say that I think that serving the poor is a good thing, because it just is. It's just a good thing to serve those who are less fortunate than us. But I think it's a good thing mainly because I want people to come through those doors and I want them to experience the people of God. In Ephesians, it says that us, the people of God, the church, are the manifold wisdom of God. That's incredible. So that means that um, people get to know something about God and something about what he's like by meeting his people, by meeting us and seeing the change that he's affected in our life. It's so important. And I, I think, I'm sure we'd all agree that we, we think that God is worthy of all praise, don't we? And that means not just the praise of the people in this room, but it means the praise of the single mum struggling to make ends meet in the estates around us, or the suicidal teen, or uh, the man who's been out of work for six years whose self-esteem is through the floor. Um, we believe that God is worthy of all praise, and my dream is that this church be filled with all sorts of people in all seasons, in all generations, who worship God. Great, thanks, Rich. So just... Uh to kind of draw us to 
um, a close. We've been looking here of, of compassion, of adventure, of, of purity. And um, we want to be those that are, are living out this truth. So how do we do that? Well, verse 12 uh, speaks and says, um, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And so you may be looking at that, you may be thinking of the adventure, purity, and compassion, and think, it's too much. There's, there's no way that we can fulfill this, this high bar. Well, I find it really helpful in Matthew 5, verse 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So very similar, let your light shine, they may see your good, good works and give, give glory to God. One of the words that I love in there is the word let. Let your light shine. But it speaks of a natural outworking of life with God. This is not a, a forced thing. This is not a, a checklist of uh, have I done adventure today? Yes. Have I done purity today? Yes. Have I done compassion today? Yes. It's not a, a checklist mentality. It's a natural working out of life with God, enjoying him, being devoted to him, focusing on him and knowing him as our Lord and Savior. Focus on, on doing good isn't an end. It's rather on pleasing our heavenly Father. And so it's a, a combination of, of knowing who we are and then living this out. We see two distinct strands that we are aliens and strangers in this world and we're to let our good deeds be seen by others. We've already touched on this, being aliens and strangers. We're different. We're citizens of heaven. This is not where we belong long term, here on this earth. We're looking forward to the new heavens and new earth. We are not on our own. We be, we, sorry, we are not our own. We're bought with the blood of Jesus. We have the living God inside us by his spirit. We are transformed by the renewal of our minds. All this means we are different. And then we're to let others see our good deeds. We're different but not separate. We're not to kind of hide away in, in buildings, in rooms where we can't be seen by others. We're called to live amongst and integrated into the world. But let our light shine. Knowing that we are not more important, better than anyone else. We don't go off saying we are the chosen race and so we are uh, the most amazing people. No, we recognize that we are, can only know God because of his grace towards us. And we're to show this same grace to others. The way we resist idols is to enjoy God more, to be devoted to him, to enjoy him day by day. Then we'll not be drawn away, but in fact be draw, we will draw more people to him. So we're called to be a people of adventure, purity and compassion. This is true on Sundays as we gather. It's true in life groups. But it's true in, in all of church life. We're looking to be accessible, to welcome people as they come in and to go out and meet them. We're looking for the presence of God to be a dynamic, vibrant community together. We want to see God moving in ways that we don't expect, not limited by our own imagination or ideas. We're looking for people to make a response to Jesus. Maybe that you've never made this response to him and today there's an opportunity for you. We're looking for people to respond in baptism. <clears throat> We're looking for us to choose to reach out to people around us. The School of Life is an excellent way to do that. We can say, do you fancy this? 
coming along, there's loads of different things. There's something for, for everyone. There's a really easy way for us to engage with those around us. And it might be today that you want to commit more here at Gateway, serving in a different area. Maybe you want to know more about a membership or giving. So as we come to this time, there's much excitement, but we also must be continually calling on God. In Acts 2.42, the early church devoted themselves to prayer and saw great fruit. And I love this to be a description of us. So it's important that we'll gather together Tuesday, Thursday, excited about what God will do in our midst. We want to call on him and say, God, have your way. You've called us into an amazing mission with amazing plans. Lord, won't you use us in whichever way you want to? Let's, let's stand. We're going to respond in prayer. We're going to break bread together. Um, Dan, the musicians can come, come back up. Um, this helps us to remember as we, as we break bread that this isn't about us. It's about submitting our lives to, to Jesus. Jesus gave his life for us. And so we can take this bread and wine celebrating him, celebrating that he's given his life for us, celebrating that he is coming again, that he is returning. So this is open to all those who know and love Jesus. Uh, there's also here an opportunity for, for you to take if you want to make a response. So I encourage you to do that, and then um, we have a number of people ready and willing to pray. Rich will help us in that. Um, but let's first begin responding. Dan's going to lead us in a song, and coming before Jesus knowing that everything that we have is found in him. Lord, we, we do thank you for this incredible truth. We thank you that we are caught up in your plans and your purposes. We thank you that it's down to, down to you and down to your grace. We come now focusing on, Lord Jesus, what you have done. And say we thank you for this obedient sacrifice. We say that we are yours and we want to live totally for you. Amen.